0: May be seated this morning. Our children up to 12. If you want to go with Brother Will, have children's church at this time, and you can leave with him. He's got a lesson prepared uh, for you guys. Yeah, head right out. Brother Will will meet you out there. That's great. Yeah, come get him, Ethan. There you go, buddy. Good job. All right, good. I was thinking as we were singing that song, there's been a few times in my life that I had been around people that you just knew they'd been in the presence of God in a very special way. Uh, there's been people I've met before that have had major illnesses. I have a couple of women in mine that have had major illnesses and they were elderly ladies and they couldn't do much, not much they could do. There's been once or twice in my life that I've been around elderly women that were very sick and had to spend most of their time at home. And then I've gone to visit them or see them and they had been in the Word of God. They had been reading the Word of God. And in the midst of that sickness, when you would walk in and see them, although you knew that their body was very weak and their body, their fleshly body was dying. There have been times I've been in the presence of some women that had been in the Word of God that you could tell they had been in the presence of the Lord in a unique way because they had been in His Word listening to what He had to say. They were letting that be their strength. I've told uh, college-age students before, when I was a freshman at Cumberland University where I started out, uh, I did I did pretty good in most areas living for the Lord. I had a couple of areas in my life that I look back on in that year of college, and I think I was way way off base. Uh, but I definitely definitely can say when I was there, I, I went against the grain that year against a lot of a lot of what goes on in college culture and um, the way I lived my life. And I remember one there was one moment, uh, and for me, it's really one of those defining moments in my life that God allows to happen. He allows these to happen to people, I believe, to strengthen them for what's to come. And I remember one time that I was in my dorm room alone, and I had been praying, and I had been listening uh, to Christian music. It was a group Third Day that they had some songs about Jesus' death and resurrection, and I had been listening to these songs about what Jesus had done to overcome on the cross. And I had been reading my Bible, and I had been in my dorm room for several hours by myself. And I was just praying and asking the Lord, Lord, to help me to not lose my way, to help me to continue to be the believer that I needed to be. And in a way that has rarely happened since, uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, through that, God's Spirit spoke to me. Not an audible voice, I hear an audible voice, but just my spirit because what I was praying was right. What I was listening to was right because it was the story of Jesus. My heart Literally was aligned with the heart of God because I'd gotten gotten away for a while, and gotten alone, and I very distinctly in that moment knew that that this is the path that is right, and this is what God wants for His people, even if it means you have to walk a little bit different than those around you, uh, and that God would not forsake His people. If you know today God's not going to forsake His people, say Amen. But too often we're too busy. We're too busy. We're too troubled. We're too worried that we don't get along and we don't listen to God. We think I'm going to roll into a Sunday morning service. And uh, if it's short, we're going to go for an hour. But, you know, our preacher's a little long, so you could be here an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 30 minutes. And I think I come in for that and it's going to be OK and I'm going to get what I need. And, and, and boy, I, I, I'm, you know, maybe maybe I'll get a little dose of God right then and that'll be enough for me. Folks, we don't need a little dose of God. We need all that God can give us. And all that He has for us. So this morning as we get into this text, we're going to see some unusual things. And we're going to see some things that happened to disciples when they obediently got along with one accord and were prepared and were waiting. We saw last week, if you were here, they really, as far as we know, the Bible only tells us one matter that they did. Uh, an important matter, maybe uh, some people refer to it as a house-cleaning matter, and uh, that, that's okay, but I think it was even a little more than that. They really, uh, they left the ascension of Jesus last week, and they really just did one thing. They replaced Judas. They did this one little thing, and that's all we're told about. We're just told they're waiting, waiting to be sent out on this mission to see what is it that God is going to do. And as they wait and wait, we're going to see today that God does something very unusual Very amazing, and it is amazing, very awe-inspiring that he does to launch his church into existence. We too often think, uh, I can do this on my own, and so we'll we'll do a little bit. And there's a little bit that you can do. It's amazing what a human being could do. It is amazing, but human beings can only do a little bit. My 20th year high school reunion was last night. And uh, so this week when I was studying for this text... I was trying to remember things that I did in high school, and my buddy Zach that came and stayed with me, and my buddy Nick that got in yesterday, and and I was thinking about what were some things we used to do, and one thing we used to do, and you kind of had to be alive in the 90s to understand this, one thing we did is ESPN would have these strongman competitions, and they would have these guys from Iceland and Australia and America and Canada, just all over the world, they'd get them together, and they would do unusual things. Uh, they would do things like uh, this guy, Magnus. Show him show Magnus. Magnus is a guy that we loved in high school. And this guy, literally, we would watch this in high school in the afternoons. They'd, they'd put this on ESPN to fill times. We'd get out of school, and sometimes we'd watch this. This guy, Magnus, put a cable connected to a truck, and in these competitions, he would pull that truck. He would literally, with his body, pull that. And we would think in high school, we would watch that. We were like, That is amazing. That a human being could pull a truck like that. And, and that, is, that is kind of amazing. One of the most amazing things ever been done by a human being. There's a guy from Australia that they tied a cable to him like that to a 747 jet. A 747 jet. And that man from Australia pulled a 747 jet 100 yards. 100 yards. 100 yards. Now, Connor works at a gym, you know, he thinks he's all buff over there. Connor, I don't think, brother, I don't think you can get it a yard. I don't think it's moving, man. 100 yards. And that's a world, that, that at least it was, it was a world record, 100 yards full of 747 jet. But you know, here's the thing, we say that's kind of neat and that's kind of cool, and I, I guess it is. But you know, that if you want that 747 jet to go thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of yards, A human being cannot do that, but you put fuel into that jet, and that jet can fly and fly and fly and fly and fly. And my friends, today what we're going to see God does to launch His church, because here's the thing about the church, and this is what we forget. What we forget is God's calling for you as the people of the church. It's not for you to just take one step or to take two steps or to take three steps. The Lord God wants His kingdom spread to the entire world. That's the mission that He told them, you're going to go all the way to the outermost. He wants to go around the entire world. And so all of us are called to be a part of this spreading to others of the gospel. And so for this mission to go around the entire world, it's not going to be enough for human beings on their own capability to just take one step or two steps or three steps, it's going to take God himself working within the lives of those people. It's going to take God himself to move his church to be what he needs his church to be. And I don't want to ask you a question right now. I just want to ask you a question before we read the text. When is the last time that you gave God an hour alone with God? An hour. And you just begged with God and pleaded with God and cried with God and got your heart aligned with God and and just asked God, God, would you do through me what I cannot do alone? When's the last time you gave him one hour? Just one hour where you just got alone with God and meditated on his word and who he is and in connection with who he is and how he's revealed himself to us, have you asked God, God, would you, do, when's the last time, husbands, that you got alone and asked God, God, I can only carry my marriage so far, I'm going to need you to carry it all the way. Moms, when's the last time? My wife said, the boys spent the night with somebody else last night, which they rarely ever do. And uh Laura said this morning, she said, you know, it's kinda kinda nice when you get up and uh you don't have to, to take care of the boys. Like we love our kids, but that's kinda nice. Moms, when's the last time that you got alone? When's the last time you looked your husband in the face and said, I know I got a lot of duties, but I need an hour to get alone with God? See, it's good to get alone with the girls and it's good to go out and Watch a show or go to the mall or whatever you do, that's all good. But moms, when the last time you said, I need to get along with God for an hour and ask God to give me the strength to be the mother that I need to be. See, too often we move a few feet and we think, wow, I've done something. And God is sitting there and said, no, I have given my spirit to my church to do what you cannot do in your strength. Talking about the Holy Spirit, as we read through the book of Acts, a lot of the book of Acts is showing us how God's Holy Spirit, which is a big theme in the book of Acts, how God's Spirit is going to accomplish through these people things that you would have never expected if you read Luke's gospel and saw those disciples. You would never expect they'd be able to do it. And over and over again, the book of Acts is showing us, the thing is, it's really because they were yielded to God and it's His Spirit that through them, was able to accomplish these things. And so believers, listen to me. If you feel defeated and you feel like you're just moving step by step, you need to listen very closely to how the church was birthed and this giving of the Spirit of God in a unique way to the people of the church. You need to listen very, very carefully at what occurs at this event called Pentecost. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2, all right? Let's turn there. Let's, let's dig in. I want you to listen very closely today very closely to the Word of God, and let's see the church birth, and let's listen to what happens at this event called Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, we're going to see when God's Spirit filled these early believers and enabled them to boldly go proclaim the gospel in ways that they could not have even imagined. And in Acts, over and over again, things are going to happen. Things they saw Jesus do, they're going to do things that, that they would have never, I don't think they ever could have dreamed were going to occur to them, are going to occur, and we're going to see how it is that this Holy Spirit that's been given enables these believers to be who it is that God wants them to be. So Acts chapter 2, all right? Now remember, Jesus ascended, the disciples have gone back, Judas is, is dead, the betrayer is dead, they've replaced him with Matthias, they're praying and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. So chapter 2 verse 1, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, so this is a feast, this is a a festival. Uh, It's connected with the feast of, I believe, 50 weeks, and, and that's just, that's when it fell. That's when this festival fell on the calendar. And so this is a big festival time for the Jews. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty Wind. We sang in that song, Lord, fill the atmosphere with the presence of your spirit. When the Spirit of God first fell, they said it was as if a it was as if a rushing mighty wind had come. And what did it do? Look, it filled all the house where they were sitting. The atmosphere, they said it was like a like a rushing wind had entered in, that it had come in, and it had filled up the whole place where they were rushing wind came. Then they said, it appeared unto them, so they feel, they feel this feeling like a mighty rushing wind within the house. And then they saw, then it appeared to them that cloven tongues, like fire, they said it was like fire come down, and it sat upon each one of them. So there is a sense of a mighty rushing wind within the room that they're in. And it's as if The fire, something like fire, has come down and come upon them. Then the Bible says, verse 4, Then, when this power and presence of God had come, then they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues. As we're going to see right here, they're, they're speaking in other languages. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And uh, there's speculation that maybe they had come for the feast, that there are people from all over. Where the case is, there are Jews from all over. Jerusalem is very important. The Jews are scattered. They're they're at Jerusalem probably for this feast. And they heard this. So this rushing wind, this thing like fire, that's going to manifest itself to the speaking in other languages, it it doesn't just stay within the room they're in. It moves without the room. He says there were all over. They were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded. They didn't know what to make of this. Because every man heard them speak in his own language. So they're from all over the empire. Their Jews had been scattered all over and they're sitting here. And they, in their own language, can hear what these unlearned fishermen are saying. And and these basically uneducated guys that Jesus had educated, they they really were actually educated because they'd had Jesus for three years pouring pouring them, teaching them, but they're uneducated in the world sense, and all of a sudden they can speak these languages. So people were confounded, they were confused. But verse 7 says, they were all amazed and marveled. And said one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Now they weren't all from Galilee, right? But why they say that? Because they knew they're with Jesus, and Jesus referred to Jesus of Galilee. So saying, These are all this Galilean guy. These are all Galileans right here. They're, they're with that guy, right? Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How hear we every man in our own tongue, our own language wherein we are born? Parthians, and Medes, and Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, Asia, uh, Figuria, uh, Figuria uh, uh, Philemonia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, about Cyrene, the strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretes, Arabians, we do hear them what? Yeah, it was confusing. But don't ever forget this. In the midst of the confusion, there was one thing that was not confusing at all, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. If God is wonderful today, say amen. They all hear it. Whoa, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what's happening here. I'm not sure what is occurring, but I know one thing is clear in all this, that there is a mighty God, and what he had done, they clearly were hearing and understanding. Verse twelve, it says they it says it again. They were all amazed, and they were in doubt. This confusion caused a sense of of unease. They were in doubt, saying one to another, "What means this? What does this mean?" Some of them sincerely, some of them sincerely said, "What does all this mean?" But others mocked, and said, "These men are—they're just full of new wine. They've just maybe had too much." A drink. When momentous events occur in life, they're often marked by symbols. They're often symbols that we give to momentous events in life. Now, look at the screen. 9 11, we mark that with the, the twin towers, right? When we think of 9 11 in this country, we think of the twin towers and we, we think of the attack, and, 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 and probably forever, 9 11 will be associated with those towers that fell. Those towers became a symbol think about Pearl Harbor. Uh, Pearl Harbor, it's it's the battleships that were destroyed. Brother Rick reminded me this morning, they were not carriers. Thankfully, carriers uh, were not there. The Japanese destroyed battleships, but they weren't able to get the carriers. And we see those battleships that they destroyed. And we think about Pearl Harbor, we associate with the smoke and the destruction. Think about when the Irish came to America. We uh, there are different symbols we associate with that one is the shamrock, right? You see a shamrock, and you see it with the, the the color of the the nationalist Irish, and we think about the Irish when we see that shamrock. What about now? I'm not a Tennessee fan, and this took a lot for me to do this, but I love you guys. All right, what about Tennessee? We think there you go, brother. It's all right. Holy Spirit will help you get through it. All right. We think about Smokey, the blue tick hound, right? We see that. We see Smokey, the blue tick hound in that orange vest, and we know that's, that's, the UT, that's the UT Vols. That's their mascot. You know what's interesting when the Holy Spirit came? When the Holy Spirit came, and you're trying in some ways to explain the unexplainable. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, in some ways, you're trying to explain God. You're trying to explain the coming of God to people. And God is so great, God did not have to do this. Uh, God could have just revealed himself, the Spirit of God, in such a way we know from the Bible that if we just saw it purely, if we saw it just as it is, that is sinners, it would destroy us. It would wipe us out if we looked upon God and his purity. And so God in his goodness, as he reveals this, he reveals it in a way that human beings are able to associate God with these symbols that come. And so they say what? They say that it was like a wind all around And it was like the appearance of flame upon each of us. And then it was definitely no like. This is actually how it was. It came in many, many different languages. All of those are symbols for who God is and what His Spirit is going to do. A rushing wind, a fiery flame, and languages that people can hear. Now, I I want us to just think about these three symbols that fell for a minute to help us understand what the Spirit of God is doing and what the Spirit of God is about. Now, we're familiar in Tennessee with tornadoes, right? If if you've lived in Tennessee long enough that you've been through some tornadoes that have gone around this area, just raise your hand. How many people have been through some tornadoes? That should be just about everybody, right? All right, so we know about tornadoes. Now, occasionally they'll get really close. And sometimes they'll get so close, right? That you feel, you feel it out. So you can, you can, you can know outside, man, that wind is blowing. You can hear it; it's moving trees, and the wind is rushing all around. Now, imagine one day you woke up, and the tornado was not outside your house, but the tornado was inside your house. Imagine that that rustling and that wind and that sound is no longer without, but this wind that is just doing what it wants to do. Because what did Jesus tell Nicodemus? He said the wind goes where the wind wants to go. And the Spirit of God, when God decides this is where I want to go and this is what I want to do, you don't control that. God controls that. So he says it's like, hey, they're they're learning something right away about this Spirit of God. They are not. They can resist it. Uh, They can refuse it. They can quench it. But they have to understand that the Spirit of God that's going to empower them for the mission, they don't control it. And it was as if they said when it came, it was as if a tornado wasn't on the outside, but it had been unleashed in the midst of the room. And it literally, it literally, in their case, it literally filled the atmosphere. It, this wind hadn't just over here in the corner. It's not just with this one brother. It has filled the whole place together. So it is a rushing Look at verse 2 again, All right, Let's just look at it. Let's look at God's Word. Suddenly there came this sound from heaven as a rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Jesus had ascended, the disciples are praying, they're waiting for God to empower them, to go and preach the good news of forgiveness and salvation, to proclaim the kingdom of God and its king, Jesus himself. And now it is happening. And God wants them to know things are going to get out of control. We want to control things. It's good to have an order of service. We don't need to waste God's time. That is good. That's a good thing. But this is a huge problem in our country. This is a huge problem in churches that claim to love Jesus. We kind of know the routine, don't we? We kind of know the routine. Yeah, God, this is your day. But I'm going to show up now and I'm going to leave then. And if I'm required to do anything within that that makes me uncomfortable, or if I got to go too long, or whatever, Lord, I have time for that. Because, Lord, I got a dinner I gotta fix. I got a Titans game that I gotta watch. I got something I gotta do this afternoon. You know what we're saying? We're saying, you're not in control. You're not, we we've taken the wind of the Spirit of God as the people of God. And we have said, I don't want a tornado loose in the house because I don't know what might happen if that happens. Tornado gets loose in the house, I don't get to control that. And so what we've said to the Spirit of God is, we're going to plug a fan in and we're going to let that little fl- fan go for an hour and it's going to flow a little bit. And We're going to tell ourselves, man, we, we, we've been in God's presence. And this shows us when the presence of God came, they weren't in control anymore. A tornado had gotten loose in their midst. If you know in your heart, That this phony religion we play is wrong, and what we desperately need is the Spirit of God. Say Amen. Amen. We need it. But we're not willing to do what they did. Because this is now twice already in the book of Acts, and it's going to be a repeating theme. They got alone, and they waited, and they prayed, and they were ready, and when the Spirit came, they didn't control that. The Spirit of God, listen, here's the difference. They had been prayed up and ready for what was going to happen so their hearts were ready to be aligned with the Spirit of God and the Spirit came and took them. He came and empowered them. We say we want the Spirit but we don't want to do what the disciples did to have that rushing wind get loose to take us, to move us and to change us. Most of you have seen The Wizard of Oz. What, what happens when the tornado comes? The house gets lifted up. Uh, the house leaves Kansas. We're not in Kansas anymore. Kubo Free Baptist Church, in the history of this church, there have been some times that the tornado got loose. There have been some times that things occurred that people knew that wasn't what we planned today, that was the Spirit of God. I've had two different people in this church I'm not going to name them I don't want the families would be embarrassed but I've had two different families that women died connected to these families and I was brought books that these women owned and I was telling my dad and told Brother Cecil this I was given these books of these women that were members of this church for a long time and uh, I opened up one of these books because I thought that's not your typical Sunday school lesson book like that's pretty involved that's pretty involved book right there about God's word and like that's going to make you think and I opened it up and this lady that had been very active in our church opened this book up that belonged to her and it was marked from cover to cover where she had been reading this book in preparation for a Sunday school class and she had marked that book up And she had read it in conjunction of the word of God. And this country woman that you would never imagine in a million years, if you met her, you would never have known that she was spending some time at home alone, helping herself more and more and more be helped to understand the word of God. Ladies, if some of you don't get serious about studying God's word, that way, again, the tornado will never be loosed. Men in this church, its history has taken some stands in their personal lives. We think, we think, hey, in the 50s, 60s, they had it so easy. It was such a godly world. Let me tell you, people were still crooked. They'd still take a dollar from you. They would, there, There's plenty of sin in this area in the 50s and 60s. And I know some stories of some men who made some decisions when God changed them. He changed them and they made some decisions in some ways that they would never be again. And this church is very imperfect, but I believe with everything in me when that happened, when people yielded themselves in that way, that they were faithful to God, that God allowed the tornado to get a little loose, to do some things that people in Scott Street, when they were over there, could have never imagined that God would do. If you were hungry for the tornado, say amen. And if you come to church and you say, well, this is what's got to happen today, you're not ready for a tornado. If you go home and you don't get into God's Word, you're not ready for a tornado. You're ready to plug a little fan in, and you're ready to play the game so you can tell yourself, "I, I felt a little something today. And you did. But it wasn't a tornado loose among the people of God. So there's this sound, they say, it's like a mighty wind. And they have this imagery that God gives them. He gives them this image of this wind that is loose. That is loose in the house. If the tornado has gotten loose. And then they see something with their eyes. And they say it's like an image of fire. They see a fire that comes. Look at verse 3 and what happens happens next. They say it appeared unto them, clove and tongues like a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And the Apostle Paul, right, we, we know about fire in Scripture. Let me back up. Fire over and over again is a sign of the purifying power of God. How God's going to come and He's going to purify. And He's going to drive out sin. And He's going to move His people from sin. He's going to purify them so they can be the people that He has called them to be. And so we know about Moses, who saw God's manifestation through what? Through the burning bush of fire. We know about in the Old Testament That when God descended upon Mount Sinai, the Holy Spirit descends in this room among these believers. This is so much like Mount Sinai. When God descended upon the mountain, what happened? It's described in the Old Testament. They said as they saw it, that it was as if fire had descended upon the mountain. When God veiled His glory to guide the people, how did He do it? As they went throughout the wilderness, He veiled His glory in a pillar of fire. To lead the Hebrew slaves to freedom when both Gideon do you know this I didn't know this I've forgotten this when both Gideon and Samson's parents set their children aside for service to God do you know what happened both Gideon and Samson when both of them gave their sacrifices to the Lord both sacrifices erupted in flames as a sign that God had accepted those sacrifices. The Apostle Paul will describe the second coming of Jesus as a blazing fire. In Revelation, we are told that Jesus is described as having eyes that are blazing with fire. John the Baptist had predicted that Jesus would baptize people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And now on this day, This promise that was given by John the Baptist is being fulfilled at Pentecost here. These cloven tongues come down, and they sit on them as fire. They sit, showing that the Spirit of Jesus has come, baptized with His purifying power. You know what fire does? Fire consumes everything in its path. If you let a fire loose, it will burn everything down we've seen that out in the west right going on you see these huge fires it's burning everything up fire consumes everything in its path these disciples listen these disciples will be consumed with one burning passion there will be one passion that will consume who they are and when they get away from that passion The Holy Spirit's going to convict them, either through other people. There's going to be some confrontation in Acts. There's going to be some confrontation between Christian leaders. There's going to be some confrontation within the church because they're not playing games. When they get away from this one burning desire, the Holy Spirit's going to come and it's going to convict them. You better get back to the one passion that blazes with a white, hot heat. What is that passion over and over again in the book of Acts? When the church is doing what it's supposed to do, it is testifying to the hope that Jesus gives to all people. Look at the end of verse 3 at what it says. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. Each disciple is filled with the Spirit of God. Each disciple experiences God's power. Each will have God's peer, uh, power enabling them. Today you may feel ill-equipped for the ministry that Jesus has called you to be a part of. You may feel ill-equipped to be a part of this kingdom. And I want you to know today that when you feel weak and when you feel unsure, you need to remember the imparting of God's Spirit was for all the disciples, and that Spirit is going to be for all that confess Jesus, and that Spirit is going to enable you to live out the one passion that is to consume the people of God we see a sound like wind. And we see cloven tongues like fire. And finally, we see a multi- multiplication of languages of tongues spoken. Look again at verses 4 through 8. It's very, very clear. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, and they were confounded. Why? Because every man heard them speak in his own language. And then he lists, right? He lists what happens, and he lists the languages. He says, if you're from here, you heard it in this. From here, you heard it in this. From here, you heard it in this. And they were amazed, because they could all understand. Look at verse 11. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God in the previous chapter Jesus has prepared them he has told them that he's going to ascend to the father he ascends but he tells them that they will go to Jerusalem Judea Samaria and the uttermost now I've got to believe that those disciples were thinking themselves how are we gonna do that we can't even communicate to these people we can't talk to them We're, we're not able to go And spread this word all across the world. Cannot happen. It's an impossibility. Ever ask yourself why? Why on that first day of Pentecost? Why when the church was birthed? Why this miracle? Why the miracle of everyone being able to hear the gospel in their own language? This is my opinion. My opinion is at least two things are going on. One is he had commissioned them to go to all the world. And so he's showing them the very first day that he gives them the power, trust me, when you rely on the Holy Spirit and do what you're supposed to, I am going to take care of things, and this word will go where it needs to go. And so I think he gives them a sign, it's for the people, so they can hear the gospel, but it's also changing those disciples because they're realizing, whoa, When the Spirit of God comes, the Spirit of God can accomplish its missions in ways that we could never imagine. And if the Lord can empower us to do this, there's no reason that we can't trust Him to go out and the gospel to go to everywhere that it needs to go. And so they hear the languages. And yes, both the hearers hear it. And it is a sign, it is a witness to them. But it also clearly changes these disciples because God, through the giving of the Spirit, is giving them a little confidence of, I can do what you cannot. And what I told you to go and do, I'm going to make the impossible possible. That is not a slogan for a Hallmark card. If you know the Lord God, that is reality. God makes the impossible possible. Amen? All over in the book of Acts. Don't let Hallmark have that. Don't let them have that. Don't let that be some cheesy thing on the internet. Certainly don't give it to unbelievers. By the way, you know part of why we don't get the Holy Spirit? It's because we lie to people all the time. We take things in the Bible that are given to Christians who have confessed Jesus, who have been purified by the fire and have been changed by Him and confessed their sins, and people all the time take things in the Bible that do not apply to unbelievers that are under the wrath of God. Well, I want to help them, make them feel a little better. I want to make them feel a little better. And this this verse will kind of brighten their day. And so we lie to people. We lie to them. And we give them things in the Bible that we know good and well are not the word that God has for people that have not been purified by the fire of His Spirit, that are living in their sin. And we say, how can the world get so dark, and how can this sin continue, and how can this go on? And I know the temptation too, because I know the people in my family that I love, that are far from God, and I know the friends that are far from them, and I just want to encourage them a little bit, and I don't trust God enough to look them in the face and tell them, The simple fact, the matter is that if you don't get right with God, your life is going to be a wreck and your eternity is going to be a wreck. And I don't trust God good enough, so I lie and I give them a little nice verse to encourage them. And that's actually not what they needed. They needed to know that you better let the tornado loose. You better let the fire consume you. You better be changed by God. you're going to see next week, Peter has to get up and he has to look these people in the face. And he has to do the impossible. He has to look them in the face and he has to say, not it's going to be okay, he has to say, you killed Jesus. You killed him. And if you don't come to him, it's not going to be good for you. But the day of salvation is here. Why were the able early disciples able to tell the truth while we tell lies to people? Because they had been changed by the Spirit of God that was like a tornado loose in the house and like a purifying fire from heaven. And they could do nothing other than be obedient to who God is and how He revealed Himself. And they knew that meant to go tell the truth about Jesus. And can I tell you today that if you are in sin and you are a sinner, Ronnie read some stats today in Sunday school. Just pornography on the internet. There's no doubt in my mind there are people in this room that are looking at pornography. No question. No question. Probably men and women. You know, you got a choice today. You got a choice tomorrow, and you got a choice the next day. Do you trust God enough to do whatever it takes to get that pornography out of your life so that he can purify you and change you, change your mind, the way you think, how you interpret things? Do you trust God enough to let it go? See, for some of you, for some of you, it is that phone and it would be real easy. You could go to Verizon and you could say, I don't need a smartphone anymore anymore. I just need a regular old phone that will let me text and call people. And I don't need anything that's going to show me pictures and allow me to see this stuff. Some of you, it's really that simple, but you will never go to Verizon and you will never step down your status level a little bit to tell them, I don't need that anymore. For some of you, it would mean telling your spouse or a parent. or if it, And I know that can be an embarrassment parent. It might be telling your pastor, telling Brother Mark, saying, Brother Mark, I, I I'm trapped in this. There's software now. If you're addicted to pornography, there's software that every time you look at something online, it can be aligned with somebody else, and they actually can see everything you look at. I have friends in the ministry that have battled pornography, and the way they got out of it is they went to other pastors, and they told them, and they got all their computers and their phones, they got it set up where those other pastors would see everything they looked at on it. But you won't do that because we got a fan blowing a little bit that we come to church and get our hour dose. We got our hour dose. We don't need to be purified because we got the fan blowing a little bit. Like a rushing wind, a tornado loose. Like a fire that fell. Every person that needed to hear the gospel on that day could actually hear it. And God is saying, this is my will. That the church will be who they're supposed to be. And everybody who is under my wrath will hear the good news and know that they can be saved. you do something? Don't anybody look at anybody else. Just look right at me. If you just say, today when I read this text, Pastor, I know that I've been playing games with God. Would you raise your hand if that's you? My hand's up because I am playing games with God. You know. You know and God knows. See, these disciples, they'd already given everything up for Jesus. They'd already given everything up. They didn't have any possessions. They didn't have anything. They'd given it all up to go follow Him. They knew these Jews that got Jesus, they had to be thinking they're probably coming for us next. They were so desperate, they didn't have any option but to do what He said, to get in a room and get alone and to wait and see, is God going to do what only God can do. The truth of the matter is today and by the way I don't have one person in mind so when I say this I already know this, this gun is going to hit a lot of people and I promise you at this moment I don't have one person in my mind. I've got quite a few people in mind. There's some of you that if you don't let go of the worldly way that you think about things, about your job, about your marriage, about how you respect your parents or you don't, about what you think about God's church, if some people don't get really serious with God, you are headed for big Some of you are in trouble right now because you know what you are doing is, is directly against what God says. You've been saved and you have this Holy Spirit. And so there is a fire within you that burns and what that fire, part of what it wants to do is it, it wants you to, it's, it's convicting you. You need to ask forgiveness because you were purified once. You got this once. But it's also a process Process of sanctification of purification. The fact the matter is today, sin is consuming you and is warped the way you think, and is warped the way you're acting. And today, what we really don't need is a history lesson about what happened at Pentecost. What we really need to do is get in one place, in one accord, in the altar of God, and ask Him to forgive our specific sins and ask Him to let the tornado loose. So that the word of God can go to all people. But Cecil's going to come. And they're going to sing. You know, the truth of the matter today is the last half of this message has nothing to do with my notes. Because some days what you don't need is Notes. some days what you need is to make a decision is church a game for me with a little fan blowing or is church a tornado in my life where even when I don't understand what God has said that I say I trust you and I will follow your spirit I do not understand I am confused but I will trust you and I will follow your spirit Lord I don't know why you're telling me to make this step but Lord I trust you Lord, my mind has told me to make this step but your word says I am to do this and Lord, I trust you. Lord, I like to be comfortable but I know that comfortableness is killing the church and what I need is a tornado and a fire in my life and Lord, I trust you. Friend today, let go go of the sin. Let go and let a tornado of God's power empower you to be who He wants you to be would you stand with me this morning God I ask right now Lord I want to ask you right now to the people in this room that have never confessed you as Savior that they would come today Lord, I still believe in hell. Lord, I know there are people that are living for themselves. And Lord, there's a fire. There's two fires. There's either your fire that purifies us. There's a fire that never stops. I pray today that a sinner would stop being proud and they would come and experience the rushing wind. Lord, they're confused. They say, I can't do this. I can't step out. I can't. Yes, you can. It's confusing to me. Listen, it's confusing when God moves. The thing is, are you going to trust Him? It was confusing to them, Lord. It was confusing. And I know for a sinner, but right now there's some sinners, Lord, that I have in my mind that I know it's confusing for them, God. But it's also clear to them like it was to them, the mighty works of God. Lord, could today be the day, God, the sinner that needs to be saved will come. Lord, I know there's some people. There are multiple people in this room that are making a wreck. They're making a wreck out of their relationships, and they're disobeying Your Word. God, there's not it's not one. Lord, it's multiple people that need to come and get on altar Lord I ask that husbands and wives be broken today and they will come Lord there's students that have bad attitudes Lord that have said and done things that shame you and shame what you have said and Lord they need to come today and they need to confess their sin and they need to be purified by fire but Lord they're scared and they're confused Lord, I pray that they would let go. That they would allow the Holy Spirit to fill them, convict them. Lord, and they would come. Lord, there are people that are scared for their jobs today. And that's all they think about. There are people with illnesses that that illness, Lord, illnesses are bad. But Lord, that illness has come to define them. And they need release and they need freedom. And God, I can't give it to them. God, I really don't need to just give them another encouraging human word. Lord, what they need to do is get an altar with you. God, I just pray Would you make us not care about lunch and tightness. would you make us hungry for you so your spirit would move and would you strip away all our pride and all our pretensions and all our gains. God, would you save us from ourselves? If you move. Lord has this in Jesus' name. Don't open your eyes. Just let them sing. But if you need to come, you come. Don't anybody look. Be one accord, one place. Just keep your eyes closed unless you need to come. If you need to come, come today and allow the tornado to get loose. God's power